it's not crashing down today. If you sit here paralyzed because of the possibility of tomorrow, you're not going to do what you need to do to keep it from crashing down. Free yourself from yesterday and tomorrow and do what you need to do today in pursuit of your goals. You are now tuned into the Macy Muse Unplugged, a pop-up podcast variety show helping consultants along their journey to greatness with your host, management consultant, author, and blogger, Christy Lindor. Hey, my go-getters. Welcome to the Macy Muse Unplugged podcast show. I'm your host, Christy Lindor. Super excited to be bringing you episode 30, where we will be doing a segment that I call AMAs or Ask Me Anything. And if this is your first time tuning in, AMAs are interviews when I have the utmost pleasure of connecting with seasoned or former consultants and they give you advice. So today's guest, super excited. We've got Brian Felchuk. A little bit about Brian. He's actually a best-selling author. He's a key level executive as well as an Inc. Magazine columnist. He's also a former MBB consultant. And I chose Brian's interview for our second episode kicking off 2018 because we cover just a wide variety of topics. In today's conversation, Brian talks a little bit about his career journey at consulting. He talks about crossroads he encountered, how he's defined work-life balance, as well as, you know, we talk a little bit about health and wellness and he shares his weight loss journey. So it just seemed like the really great inspirational discussion to really help you continue to catapult your journey to greatness going into 2018 and beyond. So I'm glad we had a chance to connect with Brian. I hope you will enjoy my conversation with him. So check it out. Also excited go-getters. This week, a couple days ago, I got a chance to hold my very first book. I got a copy, the first hard copy of my book, The Macy Muse. You know, that was such a great moment. I wanted to just kind of share it with all of my go-getters. You know, as a person that's, you know, written a book, being able to go through the journey of writing a book, you know, it took over three years for me to write the book, to publish the book. I think nothing caps off that moment than to actually hold the real book in your hands. You know, to me, that was that was just, a, a, you know, such a surreal moment, go-getters. And it's just so exciting. It makes all the efforts I've done. If you're in consulting right now, you know how much work it is, how hard it is to be a consultant. So I am absolutely thrilled that I will be able to share, you know, some of my secrets, the unwritten rules I've learned, you know, the practices, the habits that I've learned of being a consultant. I'm happy. I cannot wait to share them with the world. So this is just 15 years coming, go-getters, but super excited this moment is here. So if you want to learn more, actually, uh, we launched a new website this week as well. For the book, you can go to mecemuse.us. So that's M-E-C-E Muse, M-U-S-E dot U-S. And there you can get a little bit more insight about the book. You can read, actually, we've got some early reviews that's come in. That's been really, really great. So check that out. I'll also put a a link in the show notes for you as well. We'll also put a link to Brian's book. He has a really cool book. It's called Do a Day. And he talks a little bit about kind of really the habits and, and he, you know, he covers them. He talks about his weight loss journey as well. So check that out, go getters. And with that, Let's get started. So I'm super excited to uh, welcome Brian uh, Felchuk to the show. So Brian, thank you so much for making time for the Me Unplugged today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me tonight. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So before we get started, maybe if you can take a moment to introduce yourself to the go-getters of the Missing News Unplugged. Yeah. So I started my career in an insurance company, but uh, I was a consultant there. So I, I got out of undergrad and studied economics. I think like probably a lot of people who think about going into consulting. And I ended up in an insurance company because they had this internal strategy consulting career track and department in Boston, which is where I grew up. So I wanted to be back there. And it looked really interesting. I wasn't really thinking about insurance per se, but next thing I knew, I just kind of clicked with the industry. And so I did four years there, two in the strategy team, and then two out in one of the business units that I had done a lot of consulting work for. So I was an internal consultant and then like an internal, internal consultant. And pretty quickly, I found myself wanting more and realizing that out in the corporate world at a really large company, a lot of times you get stuck and you can't just move on to the next role because they have requirements for advanced degrees or number of years of experience. And so I decided I really needed to go get my MBA. And more importantly, I wanted to get my MBA because I wanted to push my career faster than it was going to go otherwise. So I you know, applied to a bunch of schools. I went to great MBA program. And that opened up some really amazing opportunities with some brand name consulting shops. And I spent my summer and then went full time back to the same uh, you know, major consulting company. And I did a lot of work for insurance companies, which wasn't really the intention. But, um, you know, I was good at it. I knew the space. And I realized I was going to move a lot faster in the consulting company if I did that just like focusing on my my expertise. It's not the normal course, especially for people coming straight out of their MBA is like the firms often will push you to generalize more and round yourself out. And I totally understand the benefit of that. But I was also thinking about, you know, do I have it in me to stay till partner? And if I don't, I really need to move as quickly as I can and build up my capabilities and, you know, my um, like client relationships and all that kind of stuff. So I have opportunities to move out because I wanted to be a present father and husband. And I didn't, you know, I didn't want to be calling in for bedtime every night from the road. Um, and so that really led me to shooting through the insurance practice of this firm. And I ended up with a pretty amazing offer after a couple of years to join what was a startup in the U.S., but British insurance company's U.S. business. And it was such an amazing chance to take everything I had been preaching and learning through my MBA and my consulting experience and actually be the one to go and do it. That started a different career path for me on the corporate side, not as a consultant anymore. And I've done really well through that. I've I've been at uh, three different companies since then and ups and downs and good and bad, but I'm currently um, chief claims officer for another British insurance company, not the same one. And my career's done really well. And like, if there's one pivotal thing that contributed to it, it's my time in consulting like that clearly changed my trajectory. Your background is so rich and it's nice to see that you kind of had the, the experience before you went to B-School, then got into consulting and then that then catapulted you into executive roles in a particular industry. So it seems so purposeful. Do you think it was or it just kind of things happened like there was more happenstance for you? You know, I think at the time I felt like it was more just kind of like, oh, this is what's happening now. But as I look back on it, I do see how it ties together. And I know, I mean, definitely my focus on insurance coming out of B school, that was purposeful. 
I was getting engaged when I was a summer, or I got engaged when I was a summer intern. It didn't take me two months to get engaged. My fiance at the time, my wife now, she also worked at a consulting company on the recruiting side. And she was like, I can't be married to someone whose lifestyle is like this. Like, I don't want to raise a family alone. That was fine with me because I wasn't necessarily in it to make partner. But that was something that the firms really pushed hard. Is like, oh, you can make it work and work-life balance. And, you know, you, you just like cut off from the team and go home and do dinner and bedtime with your kids. And then you just get back online. And the reality is, I think it's just a values question. If your values are such that you can do that, then you can do that. Mine weren't. So for me, that was like, I knew I needed to have a more accelerated path. I left a little bit sooner than I had thought I would leave, but it was basically like this opportunity came up. This was kind of happenstance. I wasn't really looking to leave. I wasn't really interested in it, but I was like, well, I should start to think about it and I should maybe like practice interviewing and see what's out there. And through that process, I mean, it was the first thing that came up. I was so blown away by the opportunity and I was making all these connections with what my skill set was and what my training had been as a consultant. And I just found myself just so unbelievably excited for the role. So that's why I ended up leaving a little bit earlier than I planned to leave. But it just, I mean, it was right, you know, it just sort of happened that way, but it was definitely the right move and it had purpose. Just wasn't always clear in the moment, I guess. Right. You know, it's so funny, like you said, sometimes you you do take a look back and it's like, oh, okay. It did kind of come together really nicely. As I hear it, you talk about it, it definitely sounds purposeful. You know, during your time in consulting, you worked at, you know, specifically in MBB type of firms. What, you know, for you, Brian, makes a great consultant from your time in in that space? It's a really interesting question that I get from a lot of people because there's this presumption that it's one kind of background or one style of person. And I guess this is going to depend on the shop a bit, you know, whether there's more diversity of thought and style. But from my perspective, what made for a really good consultant was someone who was just curious and could apply that curiosity. So like you want to know more, you want to get into the problems and you know how to go about like playing through that curiosity creatively in a structured way, in a way that other people can understand. So you bring it to bear for a better outcome. And there's a personality trait that I think is really crucial in that, not just the curiosity, but humility or humbleness. That to me was Like, as I look back on the people I worked with, who do I think were really amazing? It's the people who, like, they didn't have any airs about them. They weren't trying to prove anything. They just really were, like, super interested in the issues that they were facing and wanted to get to the best answer possible. And the ones who I thought less of were probably the more, like, cookie-cutter, stereotypical, like, this is what a consultant's background looks like. And they were clearly more about politics and positioning and how they appeared, even if it meant stepping on someone else. And one thing I learned through my career is those people might get ahead in the short term, but in the long term, they tend not to. And the ones who might be a little bit quieter and maybe are just more interested in the work, ultimately, things generally will end up playing up better for them. It's not about whether you're introverted or extroverted, whether you're, you know, keep to yourself or whether you're always trying to get attention or anything like that. It's just, it's the people who genuinely care about the work and solving the problems and getting a better outcome without worrying as much about their position. We got to this answer versus like, I did this in the slide deck. 
you know, or I solved this problem for them. It's like, wait, there was a team of six other people. Did you even remember that you were working with them? So the people who were, you know, part of the team getting to a better overall position for the client, willing to set their work aside to help someone who they were bringing along or someone who needed their help, their teammate, even someone above them. Those are the ones who ultimately, to me, were much better consultants, did better work, and ultimately ended up doing better in their career. Very well said, Brian. I have one more question just about your background in general, and I'm I want to pivot in a second here, but I was just kind of doing a little bit of research, and I noticed that when you went to B-School, you were very actively involved in a lot of different clubs. You think about, like, fast forward now, you know, for, for the go-getters out there that may be listening to this that are in B-School or thinking about going to B-School, how would you leverage those B-School clubs? If so, like, how did, how did they help you out, you know, in terms of your yeah. journey? So I would say it's a lot like applying to college. It's like the extracurriculars. That's where the clubs come in. So you can think of it as a way of rounding yourself out as a candidate for other things, as a person, building your network. I was actively involved in two clubs. I was a member of many more, like we all kind of were. You, you know, you go around on the like club sign-up day and anything that interests you, you sign up for. And there is absolutely, I mean, it's business school, so people are focused on their career. Like there's absolutely a piece of that that's what can you do to bolster your resume if you're going to apply for something that maybe you don't have a background in or you, you think that you wouldn't really do well for, or maybe like they wouldn't look at you as someone who should apply for it. So for example, I'm a car nut and I didn't go to business school to become a consultant because I've been a consultant. I went to business school with this dream of like pivoting and doing product strategy for a car company. That was like, if I could have anything, that's what I want to do. And the reality is like, guy from an insurance company, the closest I got to a car other than being interested in them is I owned a car. And that's not really like, that's not enough of the qualification. So along with a classmate of mine who had worked for General Motors, he ran one of their plants in China, which is like, you know, that's definitely like, that's valuable experience if you want to work in the car industry. Um, We started a car club. And so that was like, you know, we both had an interest in it. We knew there were others who had an interest in it, and we were interested in working in that space. And so if you don't have the career credentials, you can use the clubs as a way to further your capabilities or your credentials or your clout in that space. So that, that's where the, um, the car club came in. The consulting club was definitely a much more engaged, like, yes, I was one of the chairs of the car club, so I was pretty engaged in it. But time-wise, most of my time was in the consulting club, and I ended up being one of the officers of it second year. That club does more than just, you know, like people share thoughts about consulting. It's much more about prepping you and making you a better candidate to get into a major consulting company or or boutique or whatever you're interested in. So there's a lot of, um, you know, members would help each other with doing case prep and, you know, we'd all give each other cases and the club organized a trip down to Boston to see all the major consulting companies. So there's a lot of programming. They do, they bring people in who are alumni at these consulting companies to tell you about the interview process and what the interview questions are like and do mock interviews. And there's just a huge like machine of support built into the consulting club. And I know the banking club was very similar. There was a marketing club that wasn't quite as intense, but definitely did a lot in a similar, like, get you ready to get a job kind of vein. And then there's clubs that are more social focused. And 
you know, it's like, well, you're a business school, you're trying to get a job. Yeah, but you're also building an unbelievable network that you're going to tap for the rest of your life. And so you really should think about the social stuff too. So we had like a, I don't drink, so I don't remember what it was exactly. It was like a scotch or a whiskey drinkers club and there's a beer club and there's a Toastmasters club. There were a number of other ways to get involved with your peers, which is like, ultimately, that's what you leave business school with. You don't leave with like, oh, I'm really good at reading balance sheets, maybe. And you'll probably have people who would do that for you soon enough in your career. So that's not the thing that you should really be valuing when you leave. You should be valuing this unbelievably powerful, successful network that you're going to need to tap for the rest of your life, whether you realize it or not. If we fast forward, Brian, I want to touch on a couple of things. You've got a lot of great projects that you're working on. Uh, one is uh, do a day. There's a, you know, you've got a lot of kind of content out there and, and go-getters, we're going to put links on the show notes so that you can check out Brian's uh, website. But maybe you can start by just telling us a little bit about do a day and what kind of motivated you to start this effort. Yeah, for sure. So do a day is a book that I published last March, so March of 2017. And it's basically a way for me to share something that I've been living for a while and that I've been using on the side, coaching people and mentoring people to help them overcome challenges and live a better life. So I myself have had some pretty major challenges. You know, I was obese as a kid and I wasn't obese because I was eating too much. I was obese because there were things going on in my family that led to anxiety and depression and things like that. And so food was an outlet and my weight followed. So I learned through what I dealt with and having to overcome that. I learned, you know, the physical side of it, like what do you have to do physically? But more importantly, I learned a lot on the emotional side. And the thing that forced me to learn that was actually in 2011, my wife uh, and I, we had a two-year-old son and she had become chronically ill. She's a, a chronic illness and it became a really serious issue then to the point that her doctors gave up on her and she wasn't expected to make it through the summer. And so I had this really serious moment where, not just moment, it was you know, going on for a couple of months where um, you know, I was the only one earning in the family. She was a stay-at-home mom and now it was worse than that. She was bedridden. I was home from work. I, my boss gave me some flexibility to work from home for at least a month while we found additional care. But I was looking at losing my wife in my early 30s. And I was like, it's one thing when you're 90 years old, it's another when you're 32. And I had a two-year-old son and I was a mess, you know, aside from not liking that part of my life, I had gained about half the weight back. I was really unhappy at work. I was unhappy with myself. I hadn't actually dealt with the things from my childhood that led me to be obese and it all just came crashing down. And, and I was just like, you know, this little boy really needs me right now. And I can't be there for him because I can't even be there for myself. That just brought this really unreal clarity for me in terms of purpose and motivation in a way that I had never had before and didn't really understand why motivation was so crucial and how to find it. So through that moment, you know, through the pain of it, it forced me to see things that I really needed to see. And I being probably being a consultant, like I knew how to structure what I was seeing and put it into more of, of something that I could share with others. So I started to transform People were watching me, reaching out on Facebook or whatever, like, hey, you know, I noticed you just lost a ton of weight or you look really fit. I've been struggling. Could you help me out? And so I started to do a lot of like health and fitness coaching and it was great. 
but what I found is if someone would come to me about like, I need to lose 30 pounds or whatever it was, that's maybe 20% of what we'd actually work on because you're not, it's like I said before, like I wasn't overweight because I was eating too much. I was eating too much because of underlying issues. You know, people weren't overweight because of just eating bagels when they had them at work every day. You know, they're not unhappy at work because their job sucks. There's more to it than that. And so all of these calls, I always said it's like a gateway drug. Whatever someone called me for, that's just one little thing that brought them in the door. But the reality is we had to look at the whole picture. So do a day is this approach that I developed that looks at what's going on, what drives you, what really motivates you, using that to then transform how you approach the challenges in your life, set some real goals and just start kicking butt on them. Like one by one, you start achieving. And the more you achieve, the more you achieve. Like success leads to more success. That's what do a day is about. It's specifically like the the whole thing with it being do and day. It's what are you going to do today, free from everything you've done before, haven't done, and all the judgment around that. So just because you messed up before doesn't mean you have to right now. And also free of the anxiety of tomorrow. So it's like, you know, all this stuff's going to come crashing down and I, I have to, you know, I got to worry about that. And Okay, well, it's not crashing down today. And if you sit here paralyzed because of the possibility of tomorrow, you're not going to do what you need to do to keep it from crashing down. So free yourself from yesterday and tomorrow and do what you need to do today in pursuit of your goals. I'm really oversimplifying it, but that's essentially what it's about like live free of all that anxiety and pain find out what actually motivates you and let's just start going and achieve today's episode is brought to you on behalf of the Misi muse a hundred plus selected practices unwritten rules and habits of great consultants a book by christy lindor written in the voice of a mentor the Misi Muse provides insights on the unwritten rules of great consultants, a perfect breed for new or aspiring consultants. Christy dives into her 15 plus years of consulting experience while sharing interviews and anecdotes from over 50 consulting partners and leaders that represents thought leadership from 80% of the top 10 consulting firms in the world. Pre-sale begins shortly. Sign up at www.misimuse.com. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm just like blown away right now. I always have like something. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm just listening to your story. And I, I, I can, man, it's just, you, it, you it really touched me. It. Yeah, it really yeah. touched me. You know, I'm so I've, alive. I get like, I didn't <laughs> okay, say that. Okay. That's really important, right? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I wasn't sure. I was like, oh my gosh. You know, I wasn't sure where it was going. So this, so thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm so thankful that you had, the right kind of support with your job and was able to, to really kind of take things to the next level and, and how this started. I almost feel like Brian just hearing you and health and wellness is such, I mean, I, we don't even have to go into the stats of how urgent it is for us to like really think about that. And especially in consulting where people are, you know, living on all types all of lifestyle. crash diets and stuff. Would you mind maybe we can do a segment just talking about the principles and the behavior change piece. And um, I, I see you have like, you know, the 10 principles on your website. Just talking through that from a consultant perspective, I would love to do an episode just on that. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, I'm a road warrior right now, as much as my wife made me promise not to be. 
it's kind of hard not to be at a level on that in the, the space I am. Like jobs just aren't local really anymore. So I've got a lot of experience around like, how do you make it work? How do you not just, you know, fall apart physically when you're on the road, when you're sleeping in hotel after hotel, when you're eating on the right. go all the time? So I'd love to talk about that. And, and I'm sure, you know, for a lot of your listeners, that'd be really relevant. Absolutely. I feel like every week someone's talking about it somewhere, whether they're trying to figure it out or they, they fell off the wagon and they're trying to get back on. And I mean, it's a constant struggle. Definitely, definitely want to talk to you about it. I mean, just congratulations all around. I'm so happy to hear your, your wife is, is doing better. And, you know, you, you were able to lose weight and to kind of channel all of that into something bigger with, with yeah, your do yeah. a day project. It's super cheesy to be like silver linings, and but it is really true. Like it was incredibly hard. It still is. It's not like she is still sick. She's just she's stable. She's not on her deathbed. She lives a life that you know. It's like yeah. things are dramatically better. We have grown so tremendously as people. Our son has good role models for parents, whereas that wasn't the case before. We weren't bad people, but like I was miserable. She, you know, there, there were things that just like he deserved better. And it's a shame that it took a forcing mechanism, but we've remade our lives with purpose. And she, he's the most amazing kid. He's really well adjusted and really just like smart and curious and sweet. And I think that a lot of it has to do with the journey that his parents have been on. You know, it came early enough in his life that like that's what he grew up knowing. Right. Uh, knowing, sorry. So, yeah, you know, you can, it just goes right back to do a day. Like, I could sit here and be like, oh, woe is me. You know, like, oh, this isn't what I signed up for and what I have to go through this and our medical bills and what's the future going to be like? Or I can just be like, yeah, all that. And I can still enjoy what's going on today. Like, we can still go have fun and we can still do this and we can do that. It's like, you choose ultimately how much the hardship of yesterday or tomorrow ends up ruining today. It just doesn't have to if you don't let it. I'm going to pivot again. I noticed that you're also an Inc. Magazine contributor and you have a really cool column and, and go get it. I'll put the link out there as well. But one that really caught my eye, I was having this conversation literally two days ago with a mentee of mine and the, the title is called Why Side Hustle Makes You More Productive. Maybe you can just tell us a little bit about the creative es escape theory yeah. that you, you include in that article. I thought it was so insightful. Yeah, so that's not what people think of often when they think of the side hustle. And a lot of companies will tell you right up front, like in the employee handbook or when you get an offer, it's like, you know, moonlighting is not allowed. Moonlighting, not mood lighting. Mood lighting is probably also not allowed. But, you know, like they don't <laughs> want you spending your time on something else. The reality is if you're allowed to spend your time on something else, you're exercising your brain in a completely different way. I would really strongly suggest you do it in something you enjoy because otherwise it's just more work. Like at least let it be for something you enjoy doing. So for me, like I started building websites when I was in college because the internet was pretty new and no one had websites yet. So I built, looking back, pretty horrible websites for pretty cheap money, but it's good side money, you know, when I was in school and once I got out of school, like it was that little bit to let me buy a couple of nice little things for myself here and there. Like that was such a nice break from working in insurance because I did like graphic design work and I learned how to do computer coding. And it was just, it was a good way to let my mind work on totally different things in a different way. And it was mine. 
you know, I wasn't report like my first job, I was one of 40,000 employees and I, you know, I didn't manage any, like I was so far from running the place and that, that just wasn't even an issue, wasn't an option, but this was all me. You know, those clients were my clients. The service was mine to deliver. The pricing was mine to come up with, making sure people paid, you know, like all of it, it was all on me. And so I learned so many different things that I would never, ever have gotten to learn ever if I just kept working in the, you know, the nine to five world. That was a really early taste for me that like, this probably makes me better at my job because I'm not just feeling burnt out and I'm not feeling like, oh, I'm wasting my time. I'm never, you know, doing what I actually enjoy doing or speaking my interests. So a lot that I talked about in the article is like, it is that creative escape. And that's really important. Like our brains need that. We need Mm -hmm. time to detach. We need time to exercise. Like think of the brain as a muscle. You know, like you got to make it well-rounded. You got to work different hemispheres and sections of it. So that's a, you know, it's like people who learn a second language or a third language or whatever, they tend to have more vivid dreams and they tend to be more creative as well because their brain is working and thinking in completely different ways. So I'm a big fan of the side hustle because it allows for that outlet and it allows for that brain development that you're not going to get if you just do the same thing day in, day out at your core job. So that's one of the key reasons. And the other is what I touched on before, or another, not the only other, is that the whole idea of learning new responsibilities that you'd never get to learn if you're just an employee of other people. It's all on you. And good and bad, success and failure, it's all on you. And that teaches you something that like that level of responsibility and authority and opportunity and weight on your shoulders will toughen you up and will teach you the good and the bad. You know, I had a client who just would not pay. And anytime I talked to her about it, she came down on me so hard for she's never in her entire career ever been questioned about payment. Like she's seven months late on a 30 day payment. Like this is ridiculous. She's never going to pay me. And I think actually in the end, she paid me about half of what it's like, just tell me and be like, actually money's tight. I can't afford it. Like, okay, well, first of all, you shouldn't be signing up for the services. And second of all, just be honest about it up front. I wasn't yelling at her or anything. You know, it's like it was amicable, but that's a lesson I learned. You know, and like when you work for someone else, you just get your paycheck. Unless they go out of business, like your paycheck comes every week or two weeks or whatever it is. This is a different story. Right. You got to chase people down. Like you learn things you're never going to learn if you're just doing it for someone else. And I've been involved in a startup. I'm an advisor to two startups now. It's not apples to apples with my experience from all the various side hustles I've had, but I definitely learned a lot that helped me in helping them and in my time directly working at a startup, especially with fundraising. You know, being able to deal with people with that level of like, look, if we don't get this money, this place is going to fold. Well, if you don't get the money in your side hustle, like maybe you'll keep the lights on because of your day job but your side hustle could die. Just like, it just teaches you something different, you know, different set of values. I love the side hustle. I'm a fan as well. I definitely feel like some of my side projects have definitely helped create more well-roundedness. So I, I like how you codified it though. Like creative escape is a, is a really nice way to say it. Another pivot I'm going to do real quickly is you had another article on simple exercises you can do right. And it had a little bit of an exercise sheet with a must have and must not have exercise. Maybe you can share 
a little bit of that. I think this is a great toolkit type of article. So maybe you can share a little bit about that. This is an exercise that someone gave me. And especially for people going into consulting, the dilemma that you're going to have anytime you look for a job is everything is possible. Because you're like, as a consultant, you're naturally a jack of all trades, or you might be an expert in a function, and you can apply that to lots of different spaces. So I was leaving a job and was trying to look for new things. And I was looking on LinkedIn. It was like everything I saw was like, oh, that'd be amazing. I could totally do that. And the reality is I probably couldn't. And it probably wouldn't be as amazing as I thought. And, you know, then I send my resume in. And so you've got an HR person who's looking at, like, let's say 100 resumes. And it's at, you know, whatever, like a sneaker company or something. And here I am, Joe Insurance. And even though I worked at a consulting company, it was, you know, largely insurance work. So they're like, okay, we've got this guy who's never worked in our space. And we have 99 other people who have like 15 to 20 years of experience at all of our competitors. Let's throw this guy's resume out. You know, like you're never going to pop. So I was just applying for all kinds of things that were really interesting, but I had no business applying for. And most importantly, just like my comment on motivation before, I didn't even know why I was applying to them. Because it's interesting. Well, why is it interesting? If you ask me that, I couldn't answer you. I'd probably say because it's neat. I'm like, okay, you just said the same thing, just with a different word. So I had met this the CEO of a competitor. Um, we had a, a headhunter friend in common. He's like, you guys should really meet. You're both ex-consultants in insurance. And so we, we met and we hit it off. And I reached out to him, not for a job, but just for advice. He gave me this exercise. Now, the funny part of the story, and I don't think I put this in the article, is he's my CEO now which is really funny the way things work out. Like Mm -hmm. three, four years later, like I I work for him. I don't know, maybe it's part of a master plan for him, but someone had given him that advice when he left one of the MVB shops because he was doing the same thing. Like every job under the sun seemed really cool and he could tell the story of why it was a fit for him. Only, you know, none of the, the resume screeners cared. So basically he's like, take a sheet of paper, split it in half. On the left-hand side, write must have. On the right-hand side, write must not have. And he's like, then put three to five points on each side. What is it you must have and must not have in your next job? And he's like, write it in a way that, so like if your mother picks up the sheet, what would, you know, would she be able to understand what the points meant? And I was like, well, I don't want my mother reading it. So forget the mother part. Like if someone were to find it, you know, what would they say? Like, would they understand? So it's not like pay. You have to explain what you mean, like, okay, how much pay cannot make less than X per year. And he's like, so that's one of the rules. Like, it has to be, the points have to stand alone. They have to make standalone sense, to use consulting speak. They can't just be opposites of each other. So with that pay example, don't have, like, must make at least 100000 on the left, and then on the right have must not make less than 100000 right. Like, you just wasted one. So don't do that. And the most important part of it, and, and the hardest part, is challenge the heck out of your answers because they're probably wrong. And so he's like, give it a try. Give yourself a week of challenging your, challenging what you write down and then send it to me. And he's like, and I'm going to be really mean and you're not going to like me. And I did that. And I've, when I sent it to him, I was like, no, he hasn't, like, he's, he's never seen answers like this before. He's going to be like, this is great. So he calls me up and he's like, Brian, look, you remember I warned you about being mean? He's like, you need to change all of this. And I was like, well, how do you know? It's my career. He's like, no, because you're not actually pushing yourself. And when we got through the conversation, he was right. So there were things that it was like, so like as the pay example, and I don't, I don't even know if I, I think I had pay because we had the whole, like my wife's medical bill. So I knew there was a threshold that like, I literally like 
we couldn't eat, have a place to live, and have her stay alive. So, you know, there's a threshold there. So I put a number in. And he's like, okay, let's say every other point that's on your must-have list and everything that's not, like, everything on your must-not-have is avoided. You hit all those things, and it's 10 grand less than what you put down. Would you take it? I was like, yeah. He's like, well, then that's either pay is not as important as you say it is. It's not a must-have or the number's wrong. But either way, you didn't put enough scrutiny into your answer. And I, I always harp on the pay one because it's tangible and it's really easy for people to understand. And it's one that applies pretty broadly. Most people's answers are unique to them. But I think that's a great way to play out this, like, how you need to challenge yourself. It's like I did it with someone and she's like, she had kept at this job. She hated that she was leaving. She hated her boss. She was super deceitful. Her hours were terrible and really inconsistent. And they'd be like, yeah, you'll be home by six. And it was like 1030 at night. She's still there. She's working on the weekends. It's supposed to be nine to five. So she's like never working beyond nine to five. And so I was like, listen, if that's really what you mean, I'm like, let's say you have the perfect job. And it's like, we need you to stay till six. She's like, no, I do that. So, okay. Then it's not this never working past nine to five. You need to understand why it bothers you to work past nine to five. It's not the actual hours. It's the reason why they're asking it of you. That's what the problem is. And that's what you should focus on for the must have or the must not have. Because I was like, because otherwise you need a retail job that has specific hours. You work the exact shift and there's never any deviation or work like, you know, a receptionist job or something where it's like, these are your hours and that's it. Because if you work anywhere else or, I mean, even, you know, in retail receptions, like they could ask you to stay late. They, someone might be sick. You might need to cover. So let's talk about when you're okay with it and when you're not, not just like blindly, oh, no, nothing outside of nine to five. So you got to like question the heck out of yourself. And if you're willing to be that tough on yourself about it, awesome. Most people need someone else to challenge them. I always tell people like, if you can find a friend who's not just going to be nice, but is actually be like, really, do you really mean that? Did you actually push, you know, like, do you push yourself on this? Find a friend who's willing to push you. And that, that'll make it so much more productive. And it usually takes two to three iterations until you get to a point where like, all right, this is starting, like I, I'm starting to understand what I really need in my next job. And what I will say is for me, when I, when I did the exercise and, you know, like this guy became my CEO, like what he challenged me once I felt like it was done and I had a clearer sense of it. I had two job offers in like two and a half weeks. I ended up taking one of them, which happened to be the wrong one, but it did lead to a really great um, ink article I wrote that got a lot of a lot of clicks. So <laughs> maybe it wasn't so bad in the end. I, I chose the wrong job, but I, had, I chose it for other reasons. It was, it was local and we couldn't move. So I, I sort of had to take that one. But the exercise worked. Like I, I, you know, my resume popped really clearly when they called me to talk. I was really compelling because I knew exactly why it was a good fit and I knew what I could do for them. And it's like, you know, I hooked them right from the start because I had such clarity like that's what they're looking for. So go getters definitely check out this must have must not have at career exercise. I think this is a perfect toolkit thing. I actually can even see being applied like if a person's in between projects and they have a couple of different um, projects that they're they're looking at getting on and which one would would help them. I feel like I feel like this exercise can help with that. Yeah. So, so this has been such a great not only a good conversation, it was so inspirational, Brian. 
I cannot wait to to speak with you in the future. Before we we kind of do two more questions. So one, any any last remarks you have for our go getters today? Yeah. So there's something that I would raise. I think I touched on lightly earlier on in our conversation, but I think it's really important. Is you know when I talk to people who are thinking about going into consulting, a lot of times they question their background and they question whether they have any shot in the world. And, you know, they're kind of like talking themselves out of it before they even apply because they just assume it's going to be a no because they don't fit what they perceive to be the cookie cutter. One of the beautiful things about consulting is it's one of the few spaces where having lots of people with different backgrounds is really, really valued. And I'm not going to say it's like that at every single shop, but for most of the consulting companies, the most important thing that they look for when they are screening you know, job applicants or people in, in interviews is they're trying to find people who are smart, who can take a complex problem, break it down, and solve it. They're not trying to look for people who have done Fortune 500 accounting work specifically. They're not looking for people who are electrical engineers. Like, there's no, it's only these kinds of people. And it's one of the few industries where you get that. You know, it's like they're just looking for smart people who can break down problems in a clear way, communicate it effectively, and work to a solution. And that takes all comers. So before you talk yourself out of it, if you're curious and interested and you love finding out what's going on so you can make it better, it is a path worth, you know, worth pursuing, whether you worked on a farm or you worked at an investment bank. It just doesn't matter. It's all about how you think and the kind of person you are. So don't count yourself out before you've given it a shot. Thank you for that. So Brian, if folks want to reach out to you, how can they they connect with you? I've tried to put everything on the Do A Day Book website. So it's just doadaybook.com. So there's links to my Inc. articles there. There's links to all my social media accounts. There's you know, obviously a link to buy the book and, and all that, more information on it. I do coaching work, public speaking. So you can find all that there. I'm doing a TEDx in March in New Jersey, and I'll put information on my website. But if you're in, you know, if you're in that area and you want to come hear me firsthand talking about do a day, I'll be doing that then. And you can, like, I'm super active on Twitter, which I never thought I'd say, but I, I kind of have to be with, with all the, the stuff that I'm doing for my side hustle. So you can keep up with me pretty clearly if you follow me on Twitter. And at New Body is my main account. It's N-E-W-B-O-D-I. Awesome. Congratulations on the TEDx talk. I look forward to hearing about your your experience with that. That sounds great. Well, thank you so, so much, Brian. I mean, like, I I think go-getters, you can see why I said that Brian is the epitome of a (laughs) go-getter. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. So thank you again for being on the show. And thank you, my go-getters, for tuning in today. This is Christy Lindor signing out for the Misi Muse Unplugged Pop-Up Podcast. Here's to your journey to greatness. Tune in every Friday for new episodes syndicated on iTunes, Google Play Music, and many more. Visit www.misimuse.com for more information.